Just imagine the mightiest heroes of our time. All of them on one team. The Fire and Water Network proudly presents. Fight the criminal, chase the bad guys. Save the world, fly the sky. Have kid, I'm amazing. Okay, stand shot, come face it. Yeah, one zero, then you zap. Can see what get trapped. In my eyes, I got the power. Feelings run from static shower. JLUcast, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, covering the Justice League Unlimited animated series. I'm one of your hosts, and the hot one, Cindy Franklin. <laughs> and I'm Chris Franklin, and after a longer-than-expected hiatus, we're back with a new episode. We took a few months off for our annual House of Frankenstein series over on Supermates, but life just got in the way of us coming back in November. Of course, during our hiatus, the world of animation, comics, and entertainment in general was dealt a devastating blow by the loss of Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. Anyone who has ever listened to this show knows the reverence Cindy and I hold for Conroy's portrayal of the Dark Knight, and that is of course pretty much shared by everyone on the planet who ever watched BTAS, JLU, and all the series, movies, and games he played the character in. In addition to all that, he was a wonderfully warm and gracious person to meet face-to-face. And we had a wonderful comic convention experience when Christopher and our kids met him back in 2018. Yes, we did. Yes, it was my favorite Comic-Con experience (laughs) was meeting him. Uh, We are currently planning a tribute episode of JLUcast that will honor Kevin, and that will feature a roundtable of network all-stars and friends. That should drop early in January of 2023. That's the game plan. Yeah. Uh, But before we get to that, we have a show that was already in the works when that awful news hit. And thankfully, Kevin Conroy will once again be a topic of discussion as we talk about the episodes of the Static Shock animated series that feature guest stars from the DC Animated Universe. And the reasons we're doing this is that, spoiler warning, these episodes prove important to the story in JLU's two-part season one finale, The Once and Future Thing, which we will be covering in the next month or so. Right. Static Shock was an animated series from Warner Brothers Animation that ran for four seasons on the WB Network during their Saturday morning Kids WB block from September 2000 to May 2004. There were 52 episodes produced, and it was based on the Milestone Media comic series published by DC and created by writer Dwayne McDuffie and artist Dennis Cohen. When Milestone launched at DC in the early 1990s, then-publisher Jeanette Kahn wanted to develop some of the characters in animation, but it took nearly a decade for that to become a reality. Alan Burnett, one of the showrunners on BTAS, STAS, and Batman Beyond, was the executive producer, co-creator... Dennis Cowan was also a producer, and Dwayne McDuffie was a writer and story editor, opening the door to more work in animation and the DCAU, as we're seeing in JLU Season 1. Static Shock is centered around Virgil Hawkins, and he is voiced by JLU's Green Lantern, Phil Lamar, a high schooler exposed to mutagen gas during a confrontation between gangs and police. Virgil and the others at the scene developed superpowers during this big bang and became known as Bang Babies. While most of the other young people afflicted with the gas turned to crime, Virgil uses his new electromagnetic powers to become the hero known as Static. Virgil lives with his widowed father, Robert, and his annoying older sister, Sharon. Virgil's best friend is Richie Foley, 
voiced by Justice League snapper car Jason Marsden, a tech whiz who acts as his confidant and man in the chair during the first two seasons. Richie eventually develops superintelligence from residual exposure to Virgil after the Big Bang. He also develops a high-tech backpack full of gadgets and becomes Static's heroic partner, Gear. In the comics, Richie was more of a minor character and not Virgil's confidant. McDuffie intended for Richie to be gay, as he was in the comics, but couldn't explicitly state this per standards of the day. Right. Through the course of the series, Virgil and Richie tangled with bang babies and teen problems, and the show tackled social issues like gun violence and homelessness. Without hitting you over the head, either. Right. The music for the series was supervised by Richard Wolfe, who brought electronica and hip-hop together for a sound that, to this old classic rock fan's ears, is a bit jarring at times. But hey, Wolf won an Emmy for the show, so what do I know? Yeah, same here. Yeah. Uh, our son Andrew was a big fan of Static Shock, and he discovered it mostly after the show was canceled and was running on Cartoon Network then. Well, you have to think, you know, it ran, you know, when he was itsy-bitsy. Yeah, before he was born, and then when he was like three, it went off. Right, yeah, right, because so. he was born in 2001, and it went off in 2004, but... Andrew took to Static. I mean, he really liked him. It was, you know, it was a kid closer to his own age, but getting to interact with those people that were, you know, his heroes. So Right. The show was very popular, and it did great in the ratings, but no toy deals were ever struck, which is said to have led to its cancellation despite those solid ratings. Subway restaurants had a kid's meal tie-in with the show, and a Static figure in scale with Mattel's Justice League and Justice League Unlimited figures was offered. I had one, but Andrew took off with mine, and I have no idea where it is. <laughs> yes. No idea, because Andrew played with that and took it with him everywhere. I mean, it yeah. was his thing. Yeah, yeah. Beginning in Season 2, Static crossed paths with heroes and villains from the established DC animated universe, portrayed by the same voice actors from those series, and that's why we're here today. We're going to give you a brief synopsis of each of the seven crossover episodes, and then our thoughts on each one. So grab your Static Saucer, and let's go. Wait, what about tomorrow? Where can we meet? We'll call you. Yeah, but, but what if I find out something? How do I contact you? Use this, but only if it's important. Understand? Important. Yeah. See ya. Uh-huh. Nice working with you. Nice working with you? How lame is that? Big time superhero has to go home to daddy. First off, we have The Big Leagues, a season two premiere. Originally aired January 26, 2002, and that is in between the Justice League episodes Paradise Lost, Parts 1 and 2. So I'm going to also say where we were at in the rest of the DCAU. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. It was written by Lynn Uly, directed by Dave Chilstack, with music by Richard Wolf. In the cast, we had Phil Lamar as Virgil Hawkins in Static, Jason Marsden as Rich Foley, Kevin Conroy as Batman, Mark Hamill as the Joker, Eli Marenthal as Robin, Maria Canals, hmm, sounds familiar, Al Shelley Sandoval, Dan, Danny Cooksey as Hot Streak, Kevin Michael Richardson as Kangor, Tia Texada as Talon, Brian Tucci as Shiv, and Chick Venera as Ferret. Static finds that some of his bang baby rogues have a new boss, the Joker. The Harlequin of Hate has come to Dakota to recruit a new superpowered gang, and Batman and Robin follow. Static teams up with a dynamic duo to bring the crime clown down. Yes, it's, uh, again, very brief synopsis because we got to cover seven of these, so <laughs> we're not rewriting the story like I often do. Really? Uh, yeah. You never do that? No. No. <laughs> no. Uh, Joker saves Ferret from capture by Static, but then Ferret is freaked out by him and turns down his offer. Kangor tells him that he's dumb to do so, and of course, 
Joker poisons him with his Joker venom. Uh, so, you know, I mean, Joker is very much in character. This kind of reminds me a little bit of the scene in Batman Beyond Return of the Joker where the one Joker's gang member, oh, yeah. you know, opposes the Joker. And if you're watching the the uh, uncut version, he straight up kills him, yeah. you know, at the beginning of the movie. So, um, but yeah, you know, and Ferret is this, he's this really ridiculous looking character with this huge, these huge nostrils. Yes. This rodent-like character, yeah. Thankfully, Joker is using the revised design from Batman Beyond Return of the Joker and not the new Batman Adventures look. Because uh-huh. nobody likes that. It's also the look he has on Justice League. So, Robin, who is, of course, Tim Drake, appears older than his new Batman Adventures appearances. But given we saw the end of Tim Drake as Robin in Return of the Joker and he looked the same as the new Batman Adventures here, I'm not sure how this jives. It was just, in this episode, they seemed like, I don't know if he was just off model. Or they designed a different model for him, but when right. we see Tim again, he'll be back on model to the new Batman Adventures. So, Robin is voiced by Eli Marenthal, who also voiced Tim Drake in Batman Mystery of the Batwoman, the film which will come out in the following year after this. Marenthal was the voice of Hogarth in The Iron Giant and played Stifler's younger brother in the American Pie series. Uh oh. So he's the one that says, jumps up on the bed and says, Efrus, Efrus, Efrus. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that's that, that's, yeah, that's oh, that Oh, dear, kid. okay. Yeah, so imagine Tim Drake, Robin, saying that. <laughs> oh, my. Thank you for that image. <laughs> Another oddity here, Batman is shown flying the BTAS-designed Batwing, not the new Batman Adventures one in this episode. So, he's got the, with the two, the bat head in the front, you know. Right. Two-pronged thing going on. Gordon and Bullock show up to arrest the Joker. Uh, were they sent to extradite him back to Gotham? Because isn't that out of their jurisdiction? <laughs> I, w- I would think, but maybe it's just because it's the Joker. They're like, you deal with him. Yeah. You know, not our problem. You deal with it. Well, so what did you think of this episode? Oh, I mean, it was good. I mean, there was, you can tell that uh, the art in this, it's it's kind of, you know, like the trunks on Tim and stuff and the trunks and the legs, they're off. Yeah. You know, and that, that, I just kept looking at that the whole time. Anyhow, he was on screen. I was like, what, what, what's going on here? Yeah, the, the art style's a little different. And in, in the, the early seasons of Static, the, it seems like the, the animation, I don't know if it was the animation house they sent it off to in Korea or wherever. Right. But it, it does, this episode, other than the Joker looks really good. Yes. For whatever reason, Batman looks a little off. Robin looks, quite a bit off, but I don't dislike it for the most part because it looks like they've kind of aged him up. Right, But again, right. that doesn't make any sense because, you right. know, from the, we know what happens to Tim Drake, which uh, I kind of wish they'd never done that, but they did, so, um, you know. But, um, yeah, it, it's, and, and Mark Hamill is great, and of oh, course. Oh, of course, every time. He's eating, he, uh, he's he's enjoying the heck out of himself here. Oh, and, yeah. And, and, he's and, chewing the scenery and having dessert. Now, now, we can't blame Ferret for being a bit disoriented. <gasps> the Joker! <laughs> so formal? Call me Uncle Jay. Everyone does. What are you doing here? Such a sad story. You see, things got a bit uncomfortable for me back home. Thanks to a cranky bat, my cadre of cronies were cast in the clink. Suddenly I was set adrift. Not a friend in the world. Then I realized Dakota's just lousy with fun young people like you. 
So I decided to pop in and scare up some new recruits. Right. And, and of course, Kevin Conroy is great as a very stoic, you know, standoffish Batman at first. But he gives, you know, Static just a little hint of, you know, appreciation. and approval. Approval, yeah. which just, you know, runs right through him. So uh, I do like how Robin was chummier with Static than Batman. And the bit where Static has to call his dad and get home is hilarious. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I was like, He's like, I'm, a little later? he's like, I'm sorry, I, I, I've got to go home. And Batman's like, I gathered that. You know, just like, <laughs> you know, just like, yeah. Uh, the Joker recruiting a superpowered gang would be revisited in Justice League Season 2 Wildcards. Yeah. Where he had yeah. the Royal Flush Gang. So, uh, the music in this series seems like it's, to me, I know they he won an Emmy, but it seems like it's trying too hard to be hip sometimes. But it, I think... I think it's just one of those cases where probably at the time, it it I think the music just kind of dates it. Yeah, the music yeah. the music is is not it's it's of that it's of that early two thousands yeah. maybe late nineties kind of feel mm-hmm. and now it just seems kind of dated. Yeah. Whereas you know when you have orchestral music, it never goes out of style. True. So I mean I, I'm missing the you know the timelessness the timelessness that we have on the the other DCAU series. The the Joker music though is kind of irritating. Oh yeah, I, I'm not sure why they didn't just go with the classic Shirley Walker Joker theme rather than the Calliope from Hell music. <laughs> uh, thankfully, Batman gets his classic theme, even if it's a very synth version yeah. of it. This series is aimed at a slightly younger audience than the rest of the DCAU, but everyone stays in character, and it's fun seeing newbie Static work with. The stoic Batman and Tim as the veteran younger hero. Yeah. So it's kind of nice to see Tim. Like now, Tim's, you know, it, Tim was the obviously the greenhorn in the, the those episodes because, you know, he was the second partner, right. you know, after, you know, Nightwing and Batgirl had been around the block for, for, while, for years yeah. with Batman. So, yeah. It showed up 15 minutes ago. A carpet of seaweed blocking half the bay. The Coast Guard can't cut through it. All shipping activity is dead in the water including a federal gold transport. Sounds just like your plant lady style. Give us ten minutes. If you don't hear from us, send in police helicopters. Yeah! What the heck did Robin do to his hair? Our next episode was Hard as Nails, which was the season three premiere. They like to do these season premieres with Batman yeah. episodes oh, yeah. now. Yeah, as a hook. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> originally aired uh, January twenty fifth, two thousand three. The last episode of Justice League to air was The Savage Time. So this was after season one. Okay. So. Written by Paul Dini. Heard of that guy before. Yeah, you know, I think I have too. Yeah, there's, for some reason, some of these episodes don't have credits, and I wasn't able to find them. Okay. So I don't know who directed this one. Uh, music was by Richard uh, Wolf again. Uh, we had the same cast as before, including Kevin Conroy as Batman, Robert Costanzo as uh, Detective Bullock, Bob Hastings as Commissioner Gordon, reprising their roles, Takiya Crystal Kama as Ali slash Nails, Diane Pershing back as Poison Ivy, Crystal Scales as Daisy, Arlene Sorkin returns as Harley Quinn, and Efford Zimless Jr. returns as Alfred. Virgil's friend Allie, a.k.a. Nails, struggles with her emerging Big Bang powers and runs away to Gotham to go get help from someone she met online. Unfortunately, that person turns out to be Poison Ivy, and she and Harley Quinn recruit Allie into helping them steal a shipment of gold bars. Fortunately, Static has followed Allie and teams up with Batman to stop them. 
So yeah, this is a nice change up to have Static go to Gotham this time. Yes. And it's the red skied TNBA Gotham City, you know. Yeah. Uh, Allie's skin color is changing to gray, and she has super strength and invulnerability, in addition to razor sharp nails, which she can fire and regrow. Uh-huh. It's kind of kind of gross, really, if you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, uh, uh, this episode is a bit more message heavy. Yeah, it is quite a bit. Yeah, than the last team up. But it, it doesn't beat you over the head with it too much. Yeah. I mean, you know, the internet was still very new and the dangers of kids being taken in by unscrupulous adults was also still very new. But it's, you know, one of the dangers that's still around, obviously. Unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Harley gets Joker's annoying Calliope theme from last season. Yay! Yeah, that's just just great. Static is taken back to the Batcave. When he's injured, he meets Alfred, who once again gets to tell a young visitor, I am Batman. Yeah. <laughs> just like he did Barbara <laughs> Gordon in Old Wounds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. <laughs> uh, Tim Drake continues to break the continuity of the DCAU. Static asks, where's Robin? Batman answers, with the Titans. Now... The Teen Titans animated series debuted in August of 2003, so we're nearly eight months away from that. Plus, although the identity of Robin on that series was originally kept pretty vague, it's heavily hinted that it's Dick Grayson. Right, but this would be Tim Drake, so... Right, um, so he's with a different group of Titans, and where is that group of Titans in the DCAU? Right. Because we will get connections to the the Glenn Murakami produced Teen Titans series to Justice League Unlimited. Right. And vice versa, because we'll have Speedy in an episode in season three, voiced by the same actor with a very, very similar design. Mm -hmm. And Michael Rosenbaum, our Flash, plays Kid Flash on that Teen Titans series later. I know. It just makes my head hurt. Uh, uh. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Batman is now using the proper... New Batman Adventures Batwing. So somebody's like, hey, you're using the wrong the wrong one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bullock's line is my favorite in this episode. Batman and Static, you know, visit the roof of police headquarters and talk to Gordon and Bullock, you know, with the bat signal flashing. And when they leave, <laughs> Bullock says, what the heck did Robin do to his hair? Yeah. It's a completely different person. And Gordon's head. like, uh, rubs his eyes. At and he's a detective. He's a detective. Hello. Detective Bullock. This African-American kid is standing there in front of you. Robin's white. You know, it's like. <laughs> a completely uh, different costume. Completely different costume. Yeah. There's a similar joke in an in a, in a upcoming episode, too, that we're going to talk yeah. about. So, yeah. Uh, were Virgil and Allie close enough for him to visit her at the hospital? Because at the end, Virgil, Virgil visits her at the hospital, and it's being her her treatments are being funded by Bruce Wayne, right? So, and there she's able to turn her bang baby powers off and appear normal again, right? So, does I mean, do you think that was kind of weird that he was visit her there at the hospital, or? I don't know. I yeah. don't know. It depends on how big his high school is and, you know. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, they, they show him at the beginning. They know her uh-huh. because they're like in, and we probably should have put this in the synopsis, but again, I'm trying to be brief, but it shows, uh- it shows, <laughs> it shows them playing, ba- the boys playing basketball, uh, Virgil, Richie, and some other friends, and she, uh, the, the, the goal shatters above her yeah. and it hits her and doesn't hurt her. 
Yeah. And that's when they kind of figure out something's going on with yeah. her. But they, they call out to her. They know who she is, but it just, just seems, a, seems a little weird. So. Dr. Chen says my treatment's going so well, I may lose the metallic affliction completely. You could give a lot of hope to the Bang Babies, Allie. Yeah, I was lucky to be selected for this program. It's being paid for by a big company in Gotham, Wayne Industries. How's our patient? Better every day, Mr. Wayne. This is a friend of mine from school, Virgil Hawkins. Good to know you, Virgil. Same here. It's nice of you to pick up the tab for all this. I heard she had a rough time dealing with her condition, but I'd say she's earned some trust. Sir, I brought the car around. Whenever you're ready. Hey. And she's not the only one. This episode breaks a lot of fans because Bruce Wayne all but admits he's Batman to Virgil at the end after he recognizes Alfred. Right. Bruce and Alfred are together and he's like, hey, you know. Uh, he doesn't come out and say it, but he gives Virgil the, you know what I'm talking about bit, you know, basically. Right. And he's like, you know, you know, trust is, you know, earned, da, da, da. Yeah. It does seem pretty forced. And I can't see Batman doing this on his own show or in Justice League. I mean, there was the big deal right. in Starcross that he finally reveals to everybody who he is. And he already knew who they were. Right. But this episode was written by Paul Dini. So, so he obviously thought it was in character. Well, maybe that part wasn't his idea. And maybe Dwayne McDuffie or another showrunner added that. But still, one of the showrunners is Alan Burnett. Right. Another guy who knows Batman better than just about anyone. Exactly. So, yeah, you can argue about it, but it's like the people behind it, it's kind of hard to argue with, you know, so. Mitch Master Brainiac. Now that's fat. Yes, very fat indeed. You did well, both of you. Hey, just another day's work for us superheroes, right? Do not make light of your accomplishment. This was a very serious matter. Yeah, you two dweebs saved the world today. So, when I'm looking for work this summer, can I put that on my resume? We'd better get back. There's plenty of work left to do. Could I please just get one picture of everyone so tomorrow I can believe this actually happened? Maybe one. Okay, moving on, in the same season, we had a League of Their Own, which is the big Justice League two-parter. Right. And it was in between, again, seasons one and two. Originally aired March 1st and March 8th, 2003. So you had to wait a whole week in between parts. Right. This was before streaming. Yes, right. So. <laughs> yeah. Written by Dwayne McDuffie himself, directed by Who Knows, again, with music by Richard Wolf and the cast. We had Phil Lamar as not only Virgil and Static, but as Green Lantern. Yes. Jason Marsden, of course, was at Rich Foley and Gear, although they didn't work in Snapper Car in this episode. Hmm. They could have. Of course, Kevin Conroy was back as Batman. Carl Lumley as the Martian Manhunter. Maria Canals as Hot Girl. Michael Rosenbaum as The Flash. Corey Burton as Brainiac. And Gene Smart as Richie's mom. Okay. In part one, a space anomaly causes the Justice League Watchtower to begin losing orbit. So Batman suggests the League call in Static to recharge their power quickly to correct the situation. Static brings Richie, a.k.a. Gear, with him. No one knows that a piece of Brainiac secured in the Watchtower has regained consciousness and is slowly taking over the space station. 
Brainiac sends the League on a fake distress signal, leaving Static and Gear to discover the android's plan to use the Watchtower to gather Earth's knowledge and destroy it. The Leaguers return to run interference, but it's Static and Gear who actually save the day. Part 2. Unfortunately, Brainiac managed to upload himself to Richie's computer backpack and takes over his mind, using his body to build a large exoskeleton version of his former body and a giant skull ship to carry out his assimilate and destroy plan. The League are afraid Richie may become a casualty of their efforts to stop Brainiac, but Static deciphers the coded message Richie was able to send during a few lucid seconds and uses Backpack's remote control to delete Brainiac from its system. Batman tells Static he'll make an excellent Leaguer one day. Uh, so this episode appears to take place after the episode Twilight, episode of Justice League, even though that episode hadn't aired yet when these, these episodes premiered. Yeah. So I think it's a scheduling thing. Yeah, I do uh, Why else would the League have a part of Brainiac since only Superman and Batman had faced him before? Mm-hmm. So, Superman and Wonder Woman don't appear in this episode. Static will meet Superman in the next crossover, but he never meets Wonder Woman as a teen that yeah. we know of. Future Static will meet a time-traveling Wonder Woman in JLU Season 1 finale, The Once and Future Thing, Part 2. Yes. Spoiler warning. <laughs> After the fact. <laughs> I think the Nexus ribbon is what messed up the watch. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's the ribbon! It's the ribbon! The ribbon's coming. It's this line that's coming through space, and it hits the watchtower and throws everything off. Uh, Flash's proposed solution seems more Barry-like than Wally to me. He seems like he's got... Now, he's very Wally-like in other aspects, but he's got like like a really good science... He's like... What if we did this? What if I ran around? Blah blah. Batman's like, we don't have time, you know. But yeah. it's it's it, you know. It, it just it seemed like that's a little smarter than Wally's usually portrays. Yeah, <laughs> science wise, anyway. Yeah. Uh, now we see in Starcross, Batman can actually pilot the Watchtower like a ship. That sure would have been handy here because uh-huh. he could have changed the orbit by just like driving it. Right. <laughs> so. <laughs> but maybe that's why. Maybe that's why. Maybe they t- put it in afterwards. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Richie gained superintelligence powers from his exposure to Virgil after the Big Bang gas attack that gave him his electricity powers. He used that to develop even greater tools for Static and his own backpack and suit, and he took the name of Gear. That was after the, that was like in the second episode of season three. So, Gear was created because the showrunners found it harder and harder to involve Richie in the stories, but they didn't want to lose the repartee between Lamar and Marsden. The ratings for the show grew when Gear was introduced. Yeah. So, that was a good good call on their part. Hot Girl proves she's more of a hard-ass than Batman once again, not wanting Gear to tag along. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, she was the one, not Batman, that's, you know. But Batman's always got kids hanging around. Oh, so. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Brainiac tries to suck them out into space, and he takes possession of a cleaning droid and a large android the League has on the watchtower for some reason. Maybe from a trophy Tro- room? That's what I was assuming. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really weird why they would have this big, giant, like, war robot on the watchtower. <laughs> But they also have a giant space cannon, we found out later. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, speaking of which, the Watchtower looks on model from the inside, but I don't think they bothered trying to copy the interior very well in some, some scenes. It seems odd that they just wouldn't adapt the background. Yeah, because you know they got them. Yeah. So. Uh, the sound effects in this and other static episodes are different as well. These feel more cartoony akin to Hanna-Barbera shows than a WB series. I mean, like, I can see that, when yeah. the Flash is running, it sounds like Super Friends sound effects. Oh, okay. Later yeah. on, when Superman's flying, the, the wind whistling sound sounds like Super Friends stuff. It's like they, they're pulling from a different uh, catalog of 
sound effects or something. The sound design is just different. So uh, we get to see the Justice League spacesuits again, which are on model. I think this is the first time we see Batman in one. But oh my gosh, <laughs> what is it about Batman's suit? That the ears stick out of that. I mean, ah, uh, <laughs> his cow ears stick out of his space helmet. I mean, you think about this. There would have to be a hole in which the things would poke out, kind of like when you're putting a Santa hat on a horse. Sorry, we just had our Christmas break. Yeah. And so, you know, there's air getting down in there that totally negates the whole point of a space suit. <laughs> I mean, unless it's sealed around him, but still, it's like, couldn't you just, like, not... Hog Girl doesn't... You can't see the wings on her helmet right. at all. It's like, she, but she still got her helmet on underneath because they, you know, hadn't showed her... Without her helmet yet. Right. So, but it's like, how does her helmet fit under, how does her hot girl helmet fit under the space helmet? And I, then, so Batman, why didn't he, why, or, or why didn't they just build ears into the helmet, like his old BTAS bat cycle helmet? Exactly. Yeah. It, and, uh. <laughs> Gear distracts Brainiac by using Backpack to download a song billions of times. This allows Static to purge Brainiac's power from the Watchtower core, and at the end, Brainiac Raps. <laughs> he says, one day I will be back and I will lay the, 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 the funk down. <laughs> uh, for some reason in these episodes, they get Corey Burton back as Brainiac, but then they throw a weird filter on his voice so he sounds more generic robot and not cold computer-like alien. Yeah, I know. I'm not a fan of no. this. I like the other a lot better. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I'm not... He doesn't sound like... He doesn't sound like Brainiac. It's like, well, why'd they even bother getting Corey Burton yeah. back? Uh, this episode feels like a done-in-one. Then you get to the end uh-huh. where a backpack possessed by Brainiac attacks Richie. It's pretty chilling for this show. I mean, you have to think. I mean, with Static, yes, it was made for younger viewers, but they had these in there too that you're like oh you yeah know. yeah and it, it like andrew was pointing out he was re-watching this one with us he was pointing out that's kind of like an like an rl stein type ending it is he said oh it's total goosebumps yeah i mean it does i mean this could have if they just could have ended it here and we never saw richie again yeah. or something you know I mean, it's like yeah in part two richie is acting odd and not bathing Ugh. but no one notices the brainiac three-point tattoo on his neck well, I'm sorry, but I mean, I work with young people, and you don't want to get close enough to them if they're not bathing. Yeah, I'm like, mm. yeah. The, 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 the fifth graders that I have, and they're just in fifth grade. You can, they get kind of right, but they're already getting the funk. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, woof. They got that preteen funk. Yeah, uh, the league notices that a huge download happened right before Brainiac was defeated, and they send the Flash off to investigate. There's a funny bit, again, calls back to the bullet thing, where Flash asks how he's supposed to find gear since he didn't see him without his mask. Batman pulls up security footage showing him and Static eating pizza, and Richie has his helmet off. Batman drolly tells Flash, he's the one on the left. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe Flash and Bullet go to the same eye doctor. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> there you go. Well, maybe those white eyes that Flash has are corrective lenses and he needs a better prescription. There you go. Maybe that's what it is. Uh, Richie tricks Flash into their... Gas station of solitude. Yeah, and captures him, yeah. Then we see him working on a large Brainiac robot, and he's got a teal computer chip-like patterns on half of his face. Yeah. So, uh, Brainiac uses Flash to put control discs on all the leaguers, making them their slaves. Static manages to short-circuit his own. I don't think he... 
he does it on his own. I think it's just his natural body that does it. I don't think that's a no. I don't think decision. he meant to. No, yeah. no, no, no. He didn't. He didn't mean to. It just happens. Yeah, it just doesn't work on him because he's constantly like charged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We then see Richie in full Brainiac possessed form, and he looks a lot like Scary Robot Chick from Superman Three. Yeah, <laughs> he, he does. Somebody, somebody was a fan of Superman Three on this show. I'm just gonna say we're gonna get some other things too later. Uh, the bit where Static fights and frees each of the leaguers is a nice sequence. Yes. Yeah, well, Hawk Girl takes out Green Lantern with her mace, then Static zaps his disc. It was just a tap. In the I love to her. tap. Yes, yes, of course. But, yeah. But there was there was a nice bit. I, I think, you know, it, you, this is Static show. This, this, does it make the leaguers look a little bad? But they are not in the right mind. So. Right. On a on a regular day, could Static take him out? Probably not. No, not not at this age. I think it's the this is the only place where we see a version of Brainiac's skull ship in the DC animated universe. It's based on the ship Brainiac used in his '80s superpowers redesign era, right? Uh, but that ship has proven to have better legs or tentacles, I guess, than the android design itself. It's still used in many different comic iterations of the character. Mm-hmm. You know, it, that ship comes back even if that design on Brainiac doesn't. Mm-hmm. So, on the Skull ship, the League fight weird Brainiac drones while Static searches for Richie's remote, which is, you know, they, they come out of the walls. They're like weird little putty Brainiac men. It's, yeah. It's kind of, they're kind of cool looking, though. So, uh, when we see Richie inside the Brainiac exoskeleton, he now looks back to normal, so no scary robot chick look. Well, he pulled all of those pieces off to create other things, you know? Oh, I like that. I like the, the no prize there. Yeah. Good, good, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so what did you think about Brainiac being defeated by a robot control? Sometimes the easiest, the best solution is the easiest one. Mm, yeah, that's true, yeah. If I was the league, I'd just hurl that skull ship into the sun. Uh-huh. I mean, the last time we see it, it's in the Dakota Harbor, you know, yeah. there. So it's, yeah. <laughs> it's Green Lantern who says, you're going to be a handful when you finally join the league. So he recruited himself. <laughs> <laughs> hey, job security, man. That's right. Yeah. Uh, apparently, the intention was for this episode to be a crossover with Teen Titans, but this would have premiered before Teen Titans. So they went with the Justice League crossover instead. I can't imagine what that would have done to the already confused continuity of the DC animated universe. No, because uh-uh. <laughs> would Static have been like, "Hey, Robin, remember me?" And it's like, "I've never met you." You know, mm-hmm. it's like, "What?" You know, I mean, unless they're from a different universe or something. So, yeah, it was, it was, uh, yeah, it's it's quite confusing. One thing I didn't bring up was like, I did, we kind of did in the synopsis, but the Justice League is really quick to be like, "Well, you know, we might have to take the kid down." Yeah. And and Stack's like, what? You know, and it it seems a little out of character, but then we get to what we recently covered where Amazo comes back and Kyle Rayner's like, you know, well, if you use, you know, he's like, we're going to use all our power rings in one blast to stop him. And they're like, well, that'll wipe out half the planet. Half a planet's better than none. Yeah. And nobody but Dr. Fate goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Calm down, buddy. You know, so it makes me like, well, maybe this version of the Justice League is a little more pragmatic about stuff. You know, I just, you know, it's it's there. It seems a little in contrast to the usual comic book, you know, no man's left behind, no casualties, you know, 
so it's, you know, I, I prefer it that way, but I mean, evidence points to the DC Animated Universe maybe not quite as Pollyanna about that. I can't thank you enough for saving me, Superman. Thanks, Static. I couldn't have done it without him. Hey, working with you has been the real deal. If you ever need a sidekick or someone to watch the Fortress of Solitude while you're out of town... You're at the top of the list. Till next time. I still can't believe I was with the Man of Steel. Let me tell you, there is nothing more awesome than hanging with your favorite superhero. Yeah, I know just what you mean. Will it be tomorrow when our time will come Okay, our next episode, also in Season 3, was Toys in the Hood, and it again aired between Season 1 and 2 of Justice League. It originally aired May 3rd, 2003. I mean, so at this point, it's like, was there, like, okay, this week there's no DC Universe character, but I know there'll be one next week. Right, right. It was very frequent. There's only 13 episodes per season. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, Yeah, very frequent. Uh, Teleplay was by John Ridley. Again, don't know who directed it. Music by Richard Wolff. Uh, we had the usual cast, and we had George Newbern as Superman and Clark Kent, so our Justice League Superman. Uh, Bud Court returned as a toy man, Crystal Scales as Daisy, Danica McKellar as Frida, and that is, of course, uh, Winnie Cooper yeah. from uh, The Wonder Years. Brilliant and, mathematician. Yes, that's true, too. And Nicolette Sheridan returned as Miss Moore slash Darcy. Virgil and Richie's field trip bus is attacked by a giant toy monkey. And I'm sorry, those toy monkeys, they're, they're creepy in small size, let alone huge size. Remember Toy Story 3? I know. Or, yeah, 3. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Still, it's creepy. I know, it's scary. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Superman comes to the aid of Static and Gear. Clark Kent shows up at their school to investigate and recognizes that their teacher, Miss Moore, is actually Darcy, the sentient android created by Toy Man. Long on the run from her creator, Darcy is aware that he's found her. Toy Man attacks the school with Russian stacking doll clown robots and kidnaps Miss Moore's favorite student and Virgil's friend, Daisy. Superman and Static eventually find Daisy and discover that Darcy has made a pact with Toy Man. She'll stay with him if he gives her a real body, duplicated from a person of her choice which is Daisy. After some confusion over which Daisy is which, Darcy betrays her master once again, but Toy Man is prepared and uses a fail-safe, which causes the nanites in her body to liquefy, destroying her, which is so dark, which we'll get to. Yeah. (laughs) But anyway, continue. This is a direct sequel to the Superman the Animated Series episode Obsession, where Toy Man creates the sentient android companion based on his father's Darcy doll. Because his father was, you know, the toy maker. Right. Uh, Bud Court and Nicolette Sheridan reprise their roles from that episode, like I said. Uh, of course, Superman is voiced by George Newbern here, not Tim Daly. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I've not been a fan of the music on this series, but their made-up Superman theme is horrible. Oh, it, it's not even, no. Mm-hmm. It sounds like, like one of the... Like the little books that the kids had that you oh, push yeah. the you push the button and it goes dun, dun, you know yeah. when you like push Superman's face and it goes dun, dun, I mean that's what it <laughs> why not use the actual Shirley Walker dun, 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 you know yeah. why, why not why not use that you own it use it you know it's like <laughs> uh, Superman seems like he's already met Static but maybe he just knows him by reputation in Justice right. League staff meetings yeah that's yeah. Uh, George Newberg didn't get a lot of opportunities to play Clark Kent, so it was nice to see him here actually being Clark Kent reporter mm-hmm. 
for, for a few minutes anyway. Uh, Static and Gear don't recognize Clark, but it appears he doesn't recognize them either. But then again, maybe he does. I don't He's know. used to pretending like he doesn't know people. Well, that's know? true. Yeah. Uh, Darcy takes off her face and repairs an eyeball while talking to Clark. It's pretty gross for a kid's cartoon. Yeah. But we're going to get to something even worse. Like I <laughs> know. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what did you think about the twist that Darcy wanted to kidnap Daisy and replace her? She's, I mean, she's an android, so, you know, it's her to actually have compassion and actual humanity. Not really. Yeah. You know? Yeah, but when did her and Toy Man make this pact? That's what I was trying to figure out. Why would he kidnap her if they hadn't already discussed this? And why did he attack her and Daisy with the the robot monkey to begin with? I mean, why didn't they just secretly, you know, if if they'd already had all this planned out, couldn't she have just quietly taken Daisy away and not have involved? Don't don't bring giant giant robots out and you know draw the attention of. Not only Superman, but the town's native superhero, Static, who is well-known. Right. You know, it. I, I feel like that's a huge plot hole. Yeah. It's like, because at first it seems like she is running from Toy Man, but at some point in between when the robot monkey attacks and then the clowns attack the high school, they've made a pact. But when? Yeah. And why? You know, I I don't get it. Yeah. Toy Man leaves serial numbers on his Android parts. That's how Richie is able to track his factory down. Way to go, Toy Man. Yeah, but <laughs> you're talking about, you know, someone who has a super ego. I guess. Kind of, you know, kind of like that, you know, and it might Riddler be a compulsion. Yeah. yeah, and the Joker always having something that's laughter related for his hideouts and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. you know. I, I guess that's true enough, yeah. Part of their psychosis. Uh, Toy Man employs kryptonite plastic army men, which are kind of cool, but... This episode does suffer a bit from not-so-Superman syndrome. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but they are, you know, they are probably produced this in between the first two seasons of Justice League, and even though they're using the season two model sheet, so Superman doesn't have those, you know, baggy bags under his eyes and big cheekbones, maybe they didn't get the memo about not portraying nerfing him, him yeah. Yeah, nerfing him so much, yeah, so, yeah. Speaking of which, Superman eyes are light blue, not black dots, like on the animated series or Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. Oh, that's true. And I kind of like it. It makes him look a bit more Christopher Reeve-like. Yeah, Christopher Reeve. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Static is even the one to determine which Daisy is fake, since the non-human Darcy has no electromagnetic aura. Superman's x-ray vision shows them looking the same. the same, yeah. But Static says everybody has a unique electromagnetic aura, and he turns everybody, he's able to show everybody's. Yeah. And and Darcy, as Daisy, doesn't have, have one. one. Yeah. 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 Hate to run, but I'm not about to... What's happening to me? I may be a fool for love, darling, but I'm no dope. I programmed a fail-safe mechanism in case you betrayed me again. Even now, the nanites are liquefying your body. My body! My beautiful body! And I'm the only one with the antidote. Help me, my love, please. Sorry, Darcy, but you just don't play fair. So, Here's the part that 
I'm just like, oh my gosh, at the end, <laughs> Toy Man actually kills Darcy. Yes. She is a puddle of goo. And yes, she was an android and everything else, but she was a sentient android. Yeah. I mean, you know. I mean, they took... The, she was a pretty sympathetic character in the Superman episode. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't go back and rewatch it, but I remember that one pretty yeah. well. I mean, so the fact that they portrayed her as pretty ruthless in this one and then turned around and killed her. Yeah. It's like, wow, that was a <laughs> that was a dark way to go. I mean, you know, yes, but a sentient android. It, one thing that Bruce Timm has always said is like, they'll let us kill robots, you know? Yeah. And I mean, they basically, they, they took that to the ultimate level in this one. Yeah, yeah. Because she is a sentient robot. I mean, it's it's one thing, Brain, you know Brainiac's going to return, no matter how many times they kill him. Right. I mean, until maybe the very, very end of the series. But, you know, with a character like this, she's not going to come back. Especially once she's a pile of goo. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, you could say, well, he he had her personality downloaded in something. and But even then, is she going to be the same... Yeah. Same person, quote unquote. Yeah, it is very. I forgot how dark this one was till I watched it again, and I had forgotten honestly that it was, it was Darcy's idea to basically groom Daisy, right, and then take her place, right. I mean, that's creepy, yeah, and very very dark. So yeah, <laughs> but Static does get to fly home with Daisy's arms around his neck, so score yeah. for him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she even, you know. I got to meet my favorite superhero. And she's like, yeah, I did too. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's like, Ding. Her, the, her, her foot's lifting off of the, you know. The saucer. The yeah. static saucer. Yeah. The static saucer, by the way, is this, this, if you haven't watched the show, it's this thing he folds up. He, it like, it's a, it, it's basically like a, 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 a snow sled saucer. Yeah. But it, it like collapses down yeah. into a like smaller disc and, and, and Richie created it for him. And he can, you know, because of his electromagnetic powers, he can use it to fly around on. Yeah. So he's kind of like a Silver Surfer kind of deal going on there. It made me think of Kamala Khan, where she was making the light constructs. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, they, they were. Too- need more? That's enough. There's no time for this. I need you, both of you. You know this kid? He says his name's Beyonce. He's Static. Static's an old guy. Hey, I'm almost old enough to drive. Yep, Static. And you're Bruce Wayne, aren't you? But you're so, so... Old? No big surprise, considering you just hopscotched over 40 years. So our next episode is actually the fourth season premiere, so we're out of season three now. Yes. It aired between Wild Cards and Starcrossed, so uh-huh. we're in the, deep into season two of Justice League, almost at the end of season two. It originally aired January 17, 2004, and it's called Future Shock, uh, written by Stan Berkowitz, who wrote a lot of the DC Animated Universe shows, directed by Vic Dal Cheel, so now we're back to having directors. Music by Gauss in this one. I think Richard Wolf was still the the main showrunner, but he had different composers, you know, working for him. We had Phil Lamar, Jason Marsden, and Kevin Conroy back as Static Gear and Batman, and Kevin Conroy also as old Bruce Wayne. Yes. Uh, Shane Sweet uh, is Robin in this episode. Will Friedle is future Batman Terry McGinnis, a.k.a. Batman Beyond. Mark Warden as a Joker's gang member. Lance Henriksen as leader. 
Uh, that would be the Cobra cult leader. And Dorian Harwood as the Warden. Static helps Batman and Robin stop a villain named Timecode, who had developed a time machine to send wanted criminals to freedom in the future. While investigating the device in the Batcave, it activates sending Static over 40 years into the future. There, he meets an aged Bruce Wayne and briefly tangles with the new Batman, Terry McGinnis. Bruce asks for Static's help in freeing his future self from the cult of Cobra. Terry and Virgil are sent on a mission to infiltrate Cobra but squabble the whole time. When they track down Cobra's lair and free Virgil's grown-up self, Terry begins to see how the kid will become the hero he knows and respects. Older Static revives and takes out the Cobra cult and imparts some wisdom on himself before young Static is pulled back to the Batcave of his own time thanks to some tech help from Gear. Yes. Uh, Static isn't wearing his trench coat in the opening, which is kind of odd. Yeah, it looked different. I yeah. wasn't a fan. He's got no sleeves, which yeah. I never thought he would not yeah. have sleeves on. Maybe he's got different shirts, though. Uh, we forgot to mention that in between season two and three, in season three, they changed his outfit. Yes. It's, I like much prefer his season three onward outfit. Yeah. It's all black. And it's, yeah, he had a white t-shirt basically before. He, the black outfit looks better. Oh, yeah. Well, but, you know, he's more he's, seasoned. Yeah, and, he's growing up. And I also think that maybe some of the other heroes, like Batman, maybe took him under his wing and provided him with better equipment. Mm, maybe, yeah. Because he does seem to be working a lot with Batman and Robin, particularly in this one. That's what I'm saying. He's like know? part of the Batman squad here, mm. yeah. So he's, he's going back to the Batcave and, you know. Uh, but it, oddly enough, even though Static last encountered Batman with his Justice League and Justice League Unlimited look, here he's back to his TNBA design. <laughs> He's back in just the black and gray, no blue shades, you know, darker, like not yellow utility belt, shorter ears. It's, it's, ah, yeah. Batman, Batman's like, you know, Alfred, where's my Justice League suit? I'm sorry, sir. It's still, I'm still laundering it. Well, your old one, you know, know, it's like, I don't know. Uh, Time Code is a one off villain. I'm kind of surprised they didn't use some version of Kronos. But we'll see the DCAU version of him soon enough. Very yeah. soon, yeah. Uh, Static is allowed to visit the Batcave, something most leaguers didn't get to do until necessary in Starcross. Right. Other than Superman, none of the rest yeah. of them had been there. So this is the last screen appearance of Tim Drake's Robin from the DCAU. Uh-huh. But of course, the events of Batman Beyond Return of the Joker take place after this. Terry even tells Static in the future that um, he asked about Robin. He says, um... He's now a civilian, you know? Yeah. So he's real like, mm, we don't talk about him. You know, yeah. It's just like, <laughs> uh, Tim does seem more bitter than usual with Batman in this one. Uh-huh. He seems a little like, you know, like he's always barking orders, blah, 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 that type of thing. So it's like, maybe they're trying to say this is, things are, you know. Get coming to a head. Coming yeah. to a head, yeah. Uh, like you pointed out, when he gets to the future, Terry doesn't come across very well in no. this episode. Yeah, he he was always a bit of a hothead, but he's a real jerk here. No. Yeah, he's he's just any. He, I wonder how how far into his Batman journey was this? Right. You know how long yeah. he had been Batman? Yeah, and and you know, and I wonder what R- Will Friedle thought of. You know, it's like, wait a minute, why am I? This was after Batman Beyond was over. Yeah. You know, obviously because they're into Justice League, and it ended. Batman Beyond ended before they started Justice League. Oh, I know, but I'm just saying. Yeah. I wonder at yeah. one point in time he was supposed to be. Yeah, it could have been. I mean, it might have been early on in his. Yeah, but it's kind of weird because, and we'll get to that in our very next regular episode, that they never mentioned other superheroes until they mentioned them. Right. And now all of a sudden, Static's this great hero, 
but they hadn't mentioned him before, so it's kind of it's kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Static is said to be one of the greatest superheroes with the power to change the world. I appreciate this Static show, but they do seem to overhype him a bit in the greater context mm-hmm. of the DCAU here a little bit. I mean, Just, hello, they've got Wonder Woman. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I never much cared for Batman Beyond's take on Cobra. Um, they'd already established that the, the the splicing thing, which is, you know, that's that's where people in Terry's future they they use animal DNA and like inject themselves with it right. to give them basically like turn them into where whatever where cobras where this where that yeah you know? well I mean but you also have now I mean people are using tattoos and other body modifications to do that now it's on the genetic level so in current times so no, I, I don't I don't dislike that I just. I didn't really like their take on Cobra. I actually oh, like the okay. Splicer thing because you get okay. that hyena guy and the Batman yeah. Beyond okay. the joke. Okay. I just, I just didn't ever care for their take on Cobra, even though it's Lance Henriksen, which is cool because you know Lance Henriksen's always a great villain, and you know, but it, well, like you said, it's Serpentor. Yeah, he's basically Serpentor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and they look a whole lot alike. But yeah. Cobra was around before Serpentor in the comics, so yeah. Uh, Static is okay with the proposed prisoner swap with Cobra and his captured older self, but Bruce is vehemently opposed to dealing with terrorists. I mean, he's like, he's like, sounds like a fair deal to me, and and Bruce like just like old Bruce gives him the stink eye, and yeah. it's like, it's like, you know, basically we don't deal with that, you know, blah blah blah. He just gives him you know crap about it, and he's kind of like, well, okay, you know. <laughs> Uh, we get a brief interlude with Virgil trusting one of the Joker's gang to lead him to Cobra. Considering Static has fought the real Joker, this seems very naive of him. However, you have to think that he is also dealing with, oh my gosh, I'm 40 years in my future. What, you know? Mm. So he's not exactly thinking on, you know. That's true. You know, That's he's true. already misplaced and displaced. That's so. true. That's true enough. Cobra escapes the police on his way to the exchange thanks to a cult member planted as a cop. That level of zealotry is pretty dark for this show, yeah. you know, and he's, he's even, he's even spliced up, you yeah. know, he's got like, you know, he splices himself and goes, hey, oh, Cobra or whatever, you know, whatever they say. Uh, Static visits his and Gears gas station HQ and now it has an advanced basement yeah. underneath. So it's pretty. Again, like I said, you know, I think that maybe when he was younger, like Bruce took him under his wing and, you know, started him, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But it kind of. In some ways, it's like, it kind of breaks the continuity of Batman Beyond just a little bit that Bruce was a recluse for, you know, years and years after he quit being Batman. Yeah. Until Terry showed up in the Batcave, you know? It's like, well, what, why didn't the other heroes, like, you know, did they try to get him to come out right. of it? And it just took Terry showing up to do it? I don't know. I don't know. It, it, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Gear is off on a secret mission from Bruce Wayne, but a hologram of him appears as an adult on Static's shock box, which, of course, Gear created those things. And uh, Gear's put on some weight. Well, this is Midge. Like, like he says, you know, you might want to lay off tacos, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Terry and Virgil figure that Static was duped into answering Gear's distress call and head to the abandoned floating military base. If it's abandoned, why is it still floating? Good point. <laughs> Somebody's paying to maintain that anti-grav technology, you know. So, yeah. For some reason, Cobra is able to shake off Static's electric blast. That makes no sense. No. I, that, that, that just seemed like, okay, we're making him tough because he's the bad guy. Yeah. And we need, him to, we need him to stick around long enough for old Static to take him out. So, yeah. 
Uh, Static finally frees his adult self, who looks pretty cool, but honestly a lot like Black Lightning. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah let's see. Uh, old Static tells his kid self to believe in yourself. That's your greatest power. But I, I like the fact that Phil Lamar made his Static voice sound older and deeper, but not John Stewart deep. You know, he yeah. didn't. He didn't sound. He didn't make him sound like John Stewart. No, he didn't. He it didn't. Was a different vo- You know, it was a different voice. It was. I. I. You know, appreciate. It. Of course, Phil Lamar's going way high with his voice as Virgil. Static, yeah. Virgil. Yeah. So young Virgil. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Static pulls a Dorothy from the Wizard of Oz and almost spills the beans on the future, but Batman says, I'd rather not know. He should have warned him about Robin. Yeah. Yeah. He should have. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Overall, this is one of the better crossovers, and it's definitely the most relevant to the Justice League Unlimited Season 1 finale that we're going to see. Yes. So, yeah. Found my ring, huh? So you did put it there. Mind telling me why? Would you believe me? I don't know. I guess we'll see, won't we? A few days ago, I got a distress call. It was from a ship that crash-landed on an asteroid. The rest of the Justice League were on missions of their own, so I went there by myself. The pilot was the only survivor. I had to get him to a doctor, but it was a long way back. I decided to recharge my ring so it would have enough energy for the return trip. I took my lantern out of its interdimensional pocket and started to say my oath. In brightest day, in blackest night, then I got a surprise. It was all a setup. Sinestro wanted the only thing of real value I've ever owned. My power source. When I recovered, I followed his trail, but my ring started to run low. I was trying to save energy for one last fight with him. But then Gear and I found you, and you had to use it on us. Our bad. Not just bad. Horrible. He's doing everything he can to destroy my reputation. Why does he hate you so much? He hates all Green Lanterns. He used to be one of us, but then he got power hungry. I helped take him down. (sighs) My dad was right again. There was a lot more to this than I thought. So do you believe me? Or am I still a bogus hero? Okay, our next and final crossover episode is Fallen Hero, again from the fourth season, and it aired again in between Wild Cards and Star Cross, because there was a big gap in between the airing the two, yeah. of Wild Cards and the season Justice League finale, Star Cross. Originally aired February 7th, 2004. Uh, story by John Semper Jr., teleplay by Stan Berkowitz again. Directed by Chuck Drost, with music by Gauss again. Again, we had Phil Lamar as Virgil Hawkins in Static, and also Green Lantern. Jason Marsden as Rich Foley in Gear. Ted Levine as Sinestro, who has played him before on Superman Animated Series. Uh Kevin Michael Richardson as Robert Hawkins, and Michelle Morgan as Sharon Hawkins. Green Lantern has gone rogue, robbing gold depositories and trucks full of valuable microchips. Static wants to believe something is amiss, but when he and Gear are handed their butts by his former idol, he changes his mind. Unbeknownst to them, the Green Lantern they meet is Sinestro in disguise, and the real Jon Stewart has been chasing after him, trying to retrieve the power battery he stole and stop him from ruining his reputation forever. Jon tries to help when Static and Gear re-engage with the disguised Sinestro, but they instead mistake him for the evil lantern. 
His power ring out of energy, Static downs his former hero, but not before John slips the ring into Static's pocket. Sinestro returns to taunt Green Lantern, showing him the rings he's taken as trophies from other lanterns he's defeated. He searches John for the ring but finds it missing. Static finds the ring in his pocket and visits John in jail. He tells him the whole story about how Sinestro duped him with a fake distress call. A lot of that going on in these episodes. Uh And took his place. Static and Green Lantern arrive at the gas station HQ to find Sinestro has taken gear as hostage. But Static has supercharged John's power ring and he is finally able to defeat his foe and take his power battery and his reputation back. Hmm. So the cold open of this one shows Green Lantern robbing what appears to be Fort Knox, which isn't that far from us, and and no static. No. So it's like, are we watching a Green Lantern show or Justice League? What are we watching here? (laughs) It's like until the, you know, until the the opening credits start. And I got to mention, the first two seasons of Static, the opening credits, song, woo, that's real rough. Yeah. The second one is catchy. Superhero static shock. Woohoo! Yeah, I like that one. Yeah. Uh, that one's cool. I, rem- <laughs> I mean, I remember Andrew being like four or five years old, running through the house, I mean, singing this. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. When he was little and cute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, my baby's 21 now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Static appears to be a big fan of Green Lantern, but he didn't seem particularly taken with him in the Justice League crossover episode. Yeah. So it's kind of odd. Of course, Phil Lamar gets a heck of a workout as both Static, real Green Lantern, and fake Green Lantern. Yeah. Because when Sinestro's Green Lantern, he's doing the voice. Yeah. So he's playing three parts. That's that's a lot like when Kevin Conroy was like playing... Like two Batman and his dad, and yeah. you know, it's like it's it's really it's really cool. Yeah, <laughs> Buffalo Bill himself, Ted Levine, returns to Sinestro, and now Sinestro is hunting down Green Lanterns and taking their rings. Yeah, uh-huh. that's a cool wrinkle. Yeah, I, I like that. And apparently, John was one of the Lanterns who took Sinestro down when he went rogue. So yeah. I like that that fill in. Like instead of Hal Jordan in some versions, it's John. Yeah, you know, in, in this continuity. So I like that. Yeah, Virgil doesn't believe. Green Lantern could have gone bad. He's a class act all the way. And then we see the real John Stewart as a hobo on a train with a ripped up uniform and old trench coat and a five o'clock shadow. Yeah. And he like jumps off a train, like like literally like a classic old hobo. Yeah. So it's kind of funny. He's like, he's a class act, and then it shows him like, yeah. you know, so uh John first confronts his evil self in a junkyard, and later they fight in amongst a bunch of stacked tires. Someone on this show. I just can't <laughs> Really like Superman yes, 3. I was like, Superman! <laughs> Superman 3, yeah. Uh, this one is more action-oriented than the other shows. It honestly feels a bit more like a Justice League episode than the It does, one. it does. Yeah, So yeah. Uh, The music is less annoying, too. Yeah. And this one's for me. I, I Again, again, I know it won an Emmy. I'm sorry, that's just my personal preference. Uh, Green Lantern hiding his ring on static is a nice touch. But given Sinestro is pretty ruthless... That's putting those kids in a lot of danger. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I was just like, um, dude. And where's the Justice League? I mean, where, where, why hasn't Superman showed up to, you know, like bring Green Lantern in if he's gone rogue? Uh-huh. Oh no, he says he says they're off planet. Yeah, you're right. He, they, that's why he answered the call by himself. Yeah. So never mind. They took care of that. The well. They took care of it within Justice League continuity. Justice League Unlimited. Where were all these other heroes? Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. were they doing? You know. So. Yeah. So what did you think of this one? Well, you know, the the rule, the you know, the lesson that everybody should learn is don't answer calls for distress. That's true, because the Joker called for a new, you know, he, he called, 
wasn't really a distress call, but he called for a new gang. Harley and Ivy reached out to Nails. The League answered a fake distress call from Brainiac. And Old Static answered a fake call from Gear. Green Lantern answered a fake call from Sinestro. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> don't pick up the phone. Yeah, just, just don't. Just don't. Just don't pick up the phone. Overall, I find the Static series is very enjoyable. Uh, the voice acting is DCAU quality. Right. And the stories, while a bit simplified, they have a lot of heart. I do. Uh, I like it. The The biggest thing, and I mean, this is something that, you know, you have a African-American superhero that was a kid that kids could look up to. I mean, mm-hmm. to me, that was groundbreaking at the time. You have to think this was in the early 2000s. Yeah. And I mean, that was groundbreaking. And I think, you know, it... It has the possibility to shape things, you yeah. know. I it, really do. It was the first animated series with a with a lead African American superhero. Yes. Uh, now, as far as uh, I think, first African American lead superhero character period that was Carl Lumley in that Manus series. Yeah, that's right. That's but, right. But uh, but as far as like an animated series yeah. aimed at kids, yeah, that's that's what. Yeah, it was very groundbreaking. It and, was, and I like the fact that they had you know they had, uh, you know different you know the like you know had a, a african-american kid and a white boy that were best friends yeah and you know richie you know they couldn't come out and say he was gay but if you know he's gay that's you know he's friends but they're not romantically involved no. you know no. they're just friends and then and i mean i like the fact that you know virgil's straight he's gay but they're friends yeah and and virgil is interested in girls in the series yeah and the girl and you know they're they're not all they're all you know they're, they're mixed ethnicities. Exactly. The characters. It, it's really... It, it's really well done. And, I mean, while now we see that as commonplace in today's media, yeah. then it was groundbreaking. Yeah. I, I mean, it truly... I mean, I know I keep saying that, but it truly was. Well, that's like when they picked, you know, well, we're going to pick John Stewart as Green Lantern instead of Hal Jordan yeah. or Guy Gunn or Kyle or whoever, mm. you know. I mean, when they went that route, I mean, they, they, they made a conscious decision. Like, no, we need to have some more diversity, diversity. Yeah. in this show. And it, it means a lot. I mean, a lot of, it, you know, you know when representation. representation, when you kids see themselves on TV. And then and also it helps, like, you know, I mean, our white family, you know, my kids see don't see any difference between a black hero and a white hero because they grew up watching John Stewart and Static. Static, yeah. And, you know, and I mean, you know, I honestly feel like Static could be revived now. Yes. And I, I think, I, you know, it's, you know, I mean, it's not without the realm of possibility. I mean, all the cast is still around, uh, you know, the main show. They could bring it back. They could age them up a little bit, put them in college, do whatever, right. have them as adults. But I wouldn't do that. I'd probably put them in college or something. Yeah. And, and bring it back. I mean... And, you know, a few years ago, I wouldn't even say, why don't HBO Max just didn't, doesn't do that? But now, I mean, they won't even, you know, air the Batman series they made. So, right. So, but, you know, a, year, a few months ago, I've been like, oh, they should do that. But I, I don't know if, where it would go now. But, you know, a direct video or, you know, not video, but you know what I mean? Dire- uh, one of the, you know, direct to home entertainment movies or something yeah. to revive it. I mean, I think it, I think it would be, it would be good to come back. And it, it's. You know, there's a lot more different things that they could tackle now. I mean, they could they could just say Richie's gay and deal with that, you know, and, and have that be part of it, you know. But I like the fact that it was there, but it wasn't, you know. No, I mean, I, mean, I don't mean to say deal with it. I shouldn't have said it that way. It's just part of his character, and he's there. Yeah. You know, it's just, you know, I mean, but they could they could do that now. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah. it's like, you know, it's, it. I, I, I you know, I kind of wish they'd do something with it. I mean, you know, DC, obviously this is, 
Static has become, you know, he, they keep reviving him and bring, they brought him into the DC universe in the comics because of his connection to the DC animated universe here before they crossed over with DC, but they are in their own separate universe. And I don't know what the continuity is at the moment, but he's been a member of the Teen Titans and different things like that. So, yeah. Uh, of course, if you want to go back and watch the DCAU crossover shows, uh, you can, in, or any of Static, it's all there on HBO Max, the whole yeah. series. You can also get DVDs from Warner Archive. If you haven't watched Static Shock, if it's a blind spot in your DCAU viewing, I, we highly recommend oh, you watch yeah, it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Start definitely. out with the DCAU shows that we've done and then just, you know, watch the rest of yeah. it or something. Dip your toe in and and it, it's a good show. It's, it's again, it's just really, it. everybody that was working on it really put their heart into it. They did. And they you, can, did. you can tell they did. And it's... it's Quality lasts. Yeah, it, it does. And it, and it holds up. It holds up really well. Now, granted, I mean, you are going to have some things, some cultural references that are mentioned in the show that would have been relevant back in the early 2000s that if you didn't, if you weren't around personally back then, that you might be scratching your head about. Yeah. You know, they, some, you know they did date the show that way a yeah, little bit. Yeah, a little bit. But... You know, it's not something that's going to pull you out either. No, it's not. Yeah, I mean, you can still, there's just a few little things like, you know, I mean, and, and in fact, most of the things like he'll he'll drop, say something about Shaq or something. Yeah, Shaq or Beyonce or, you know, which, yeah. of course, Beyonce is still culturally and relevant. So Shaq, but I, but yeah. I'm saying, you yeah. know. Yeah, because he tells, he tells Terry McGinnis his name's Beyonce and Terry, I guess in Terry McGinnis's future, Beyonce is no longer socially relevant because he... He says he says his name's Beyonce. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but then you didn't know that the Queen Bee was gonna, you know, still be around. Right, right. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I'll do it for this episode. Special thanks to our Patreon supporters for information on how you can support the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Visit patreon.com slash fwpodcast. Spe- extra special thanks to Jorge Luis Castillo, Matt Ryan, Neil Whitney, Jeff Owens of the Classic Horrors Podcast. And David Capone, who specifically support JLUcast. You guys rock. Um, feel free to make yourself at home at the Watchtower, but please don't eat all the pizza, especially the thin crust. That's my favorite, pepperoni. Well, you know, Flash is going to get upset if you eat all the pizza. He said so. You know, don't let the kids eat the pizza. Uh, next time, according to the scheduling, you'll either hear our roundtable tribute to Kevin Conroy or our next regular episode where we jump forward in time but backwards in production order to discuss the story that introduced the concept of the Justice League Unlimited, we'll be talking about The Call, the universe-expanding episode of Batman Beyond. See you then. Bye. Bye. JLU Cast is a Franklin & Franklin production in association with Bugaloo Enterprises worldwide and is a proud member of the Fire & Water Podcast Network. The characters and properties mentioned in this show are copyright their respective holders. Likewise, all audio clips are copyright their holders and no infringement is implied. So please don't sue mommy and daddy. Emails can be sent to supermatespodcast at gmail.com. Comments can be left at firewaterpodcast.com. Find us on Facebook by searching for JLUcast and FW Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter by using the hashtag FW Podcast. Please consider leaving us a review on iTunes. Thank you for listening to JLUcast. I can see why you didn't think I could be him. Actually, I'm starting to see the resemblance. I, I have so many questions.
Don't worry. Everything's gonna be fine. Hey! What's happening? You must be going back. What's gonna happen to me? What should I do? Believe in yourself. That's your greatest power. Welcome back. Yeah, I knew I could fix this. Gear, I saw the future. I saw you, I saw myself, I saw Batman. Batman, you were... I'd rather not know. Well, you still had your hair. You gonna be okay? I'm gonna be just fine. Oh, and Gear, maybe you should lay off the fries.